As you all know, in the current climate of COVID-19, a lot of different companies, whether they be designers or retailers or even fabric companies, are doing what they can to sort of pitch in and help with the front. A lot is going on in a lot of our hospitals, and so far it's just craziness in the country so far. But one thing that we have seen a lot of companies stepping up and doing in fashion is starting to design their own face masks. So when I was actually looking online a few weeks ago, I ran into, I saw an Instagram, and this Instagram was for this really, really cool face mask. And it was really the first of its kind I've seen. Now, since I've seen, you know, I've seen them pop up left and right. But weeks ago, before I saw sort of other designers stepping up to the plate, I saw one particular face mask on Instagram it was made of this beautiful Ankara print and very simple, but also very, very affordable. And I saw it. I immediately, you know, DM'd the page, contacted the creator, ordered one, and I love it. I actually posted it on my story one day, and I did get a few people messaging me asking me, where did you get this mask? Where did you get this mask? And the demand was so high just from, you know, me posting alone. I figured, why not get in touch with the creator of this of this face mask and let her talk about her story and her journey. So for this special bonus episode of Black in Fashion, I interviewed the founder and creator of the Afro-Caribbean lifestyle brand, Kente Club. My name is CJ, and welcome to Black in Fashion, a podcast that highlights key Black figures who have impacted the world of fashion as we know it today, as well as those who continue to influence its ever-changing industry. Each episode, we'll profile different people from past to present, as well as conduct interviews and engage in dialogue around race and diversity within the fashion industry. Hello, Kareen. Thank you so much for joining me on Black in Fashion. Thank you for having me. Really excited. I'm so happy that you even found me. Like, this is awesome. Of course. We're excited to have you on the show today. So why don't you give our listeners a little background about what sort of got you started in creating your own business? Okay. So um, again, my name is Kareen. I am from Jamaica and I live in Fort Lauderdale. How I got started um, just overall with everything, actually, it was a couple years ago is how I even started the Kente Club. I came down for a carnival and I needed to have a wire bra made. So typically people know me to make carnival bras. And so I came down, I wanted to get a bra made and I just didn't get it on time. So, you know, sometimes I'm really a solutions oriented type of person. So I said, you know what, let me try to figure this out on my own. And I took apart a bra that I had from Barbados carnival and I made a Kente wire bra. And that's kind of how I started with everything. And then, so when this um, coronavirus started taking off. My mom is an ICU nurse and my sister is also an ICU nurse. And um, when things hit the fan, you go on Amazon, there was literally nothing available. I said, okay, let me do something really fun for me and my friends. So I had some extra fabric from, uh, I went to WakandaCon in Chicago when it first came out a couple years ago. So I had extra fabric from then. And I was like, okay, let me just play around and make a mask. So I got on my Instagram live on my personal page and I freehand a um, mask on a sheet of paper. Wasn't very nice looking, but, you know, um, it was whatever. And uh, I cut it out. 
and I made this face mask. And I posted it on Facebook, just like playing around, like, hey, guys, I made this for me and my friends. And then I started to get people messaging me like, oh, I want one, I want one, I want one. And so I am in a couple groups on Facebook and I saw a woman, it was a craft group, and I saw a woman post a mask and her mask looked a little bit different than mine. I like how it sit on the face. Mine was just kind of like just flat on your face and hers kind of like went around the eyes and kind of had more like a swoop to it. So I'm like, okay, well, people are asking me for these masks. I have to make it for real. I can't do this freehand play play one I just made. So I went on Pinterest and um, I found a pattern. I made two, for one again, one for me and my friend again, and we took a picture in the car <laughs> as we were going to a med spa and uploaded it, and that's kind of how everything started. So it really started off as me just wanting to do something with my friends because there were no masks available on Amazon, and one picture really just kind of like changed the entire game, and now I'm like the Kente mask dealer at this point. <laughs> so how quickly did demand go up after you posted that first picture? Ooh. Um, immediately, it was kind of surreal. Um, because again, I really wasn't doing this for money. I wasn't really doing this for it was just because, hey, I know there's a shortage. Let me try to help my friends out. And like, I have three different platforms that I really go on a lot. And so I posted it on the Kente Club, which, you know, we have like 1900 people on there, maybe 1800, 1700. But my personal Instagram, I have like 6000. So I posted on there and the DM started coming in message requests, comments <laughs> in the section. I posted on my Facebook, I have messages in that back box that you always forget about. I'm just like, Oh my God. So it's like, and I, I didn't have a website. So it's really been like, very personal with everyone that gets a mask. You know, I kind of know everyone, not personally, but I talk to everyone personally, you know. And that's why I set the price point so low because I also knew people weren't working and supplies were limited. Anything I could do to help, I'm, you know, I would try. So I set the price points really low just so that everyone can have access to it, even if they were unemployed currently. And uh, yeah, it just kind of spread like wildfire. People started tipping as they were about. Just was like, oh my goodness. Like, and it was really more appreciation that I saw from people. The, the good definitely like tramples over the bad. That's how the demand went. And I'm happy that it's positive demand. You know, you have your people that, you know, the little, you know, naysayers or whatever, but um, it's been really, really positive. Everyone has been so like loving and encouraging and like strangers. So I feel as if like, it's almost like building a community, you know, of um, strangers that understand the times that we're in and are just trying to really help each other out, you know? So I'm really grateful for those people like yourself and, you know, others that have reached out because everyone has been like just really, really, really awesome people. That is absolutely amazing. I'm sure a lot of people, including myself, are very appreciative at all the work that you've put in to really create this brand and create something for the people. So just so our listeners have an idea of where we are with COVID-19, as of April 6th, there are 1.3 million confirmed cases worldwide and 74,000 deaths worldwide. In the United States alone, there are, as of April 6th, 368,000 cases with a little bit over 10,000 deaths. And just so you have an idea of how quickly this has grown, just last week, we were at 122,000 confirmed cases and just barely over 2,000 deaths. So literally in a week, the number of confirmed cases and deaths has more than doubled 
in the United States. And these numbers are constantly changing, and they're also just estimates. I got these numbers from John Hopkins University, but again, these are just the numbers that are known. This does not include the numbers of, you know, unconfirmed cases or people that have the virus and didn't know they had the virus or people who died from the virus without knowing they ever had it in the first place. So right now we're practicing social distancing, staying away from, you know, the public as much as possible. And this has been extended to at least April 30th, which is still uncertain, but this is really impacting everyone, you know, socially, financially, emotionally, mentally, And the fact that you're able to create something so beautiful out of these dark, uncertain times is absolutely amazing. So you made mention to your mother and sister who both work in the medical industry. Tell me what's that like having family members that are actually working on the front lines day in, day out in the height of this pandemic? Well, it's, I don't like it. (laughs) Um, My mom is like 68, you know, so she's in that, that age group. And then my sister, um, she's like 51 and um, she had like breast cancer and all that other stuff. So she's in that like compromised immune system kind of like feel. And they both work in the ICU. Mm-hmm. So for me, um, I've kind of been very strict. <laughs> I won't lie. Like um, they can't leave the house unless they're going to work. Um, I bring them their groceries. They're basically on house arrest by me. Forget, you know, the quarantine. I'm not letting them leave the house. I don't really like it, but I understand um, that they are there to help. And I'm just very grateful that the area that we're in right now, we're in Lauder Hill. And right now there are only like five reported cases in my community. And they're taking their time. And I've noticed that like my mom hasn't really been going to work that often. So I'm hoping she's inching for retirement um, really soon. (laughs) So for me, it's just really, really, I, I don't like it, honestly, um, just because I think if they were a little more, you know, younger, you know, maybe in the 40s, which is still, you know, people are getting sick in the 40s, I wouldn't feel as concerned. Right. Um, but just because of their age group and their situation, for me, it's kind of like, hmm, can they just kind of take you guys off the floor, um, especially the ICU? So I'm always like asking, like, um, do you take a temperature? You drink your orange juice. And, you know, we're very Jamaican. So I'm trying to make sure they're drinking every bush, boiling every leaf um, (laughs) to make some kind of tea um, and just keeping themselves hydrated. And I also kind of practice social distancing from them as well, because I run to the post office to drop off these masks, you know, and I don't want nothing to come jump on me. And then it's on them, you know. So even when I go by there to pick up dinner like every other day because they know I'm not really eating, I'm just working all the time. I like, can you bring it to the front door? It's really in and out, in and out. I'm mm-hmm. not um, around them too much because I don't want anything. I could be asymptomatic for all I know. And I don't want anything to jump off of me and jump onto them, you know? I'm hoping that this will all brush over really soon. Um, and I've watched them keep themselves active. Like, they're gardening all the time. I'm on my dad outside gardening, staying in the sun, which I like. Mm-hmm. Um, and keeping themselves active and um, they're keeping themselves hydrated. So they're doing their best and I'm just keeping them uh, safe the best I can too. So did your family have any hand in sort of helping you create the mask or give you any, any guidance for what to do or what not to do since they work in the medical industry? Oh, no, I didn't. Um, I didn't really let them know because it was, you know, it was just for fun. Mm-hmm. Before. And then um, when I did really like get some going, 
I didn't make masks for them per se because I want them since they work in the ICU, which means they're really going to be around the you know the stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I need them in face shields and N95 and bunny outfits. I need them in the full hazmat because <laughs> um, I know my masks. They're great to have. What I've been telling people is like, look, these aren't N95 because they were sold out and the filters were sold out until mid-April. So at this point, something is better than nothing. And then it's like, you know, I can make them with inserts. But this is the thing. Sometimes, you know, when you make things and then you give other people the option to basically finish it, you always run into problems. So it's better off you give people a completed product than, okay, these have filter inserts. And then people buy the wrong filters. Now you're getting emails about these don't fit. So just to kind of avoid all of that. Um, Because I also don't want to buy up everything that I believe medical people need, you know, Mm -hmm. we already have a shortage. So I don't want to take these things that I want to go to the hospitals themselves, you know, but I will say I have been uh, reached out to by a few people from, you know, medical institutions that want fabric masks because they don't have anything. I understand, but it's still also kind of like, oh my goodness, like, you know, these aren't really medical grade. I don't want you know, these to be, you to be around a COVID patient. But then I've had nurse practitioners, um, nurses reach out to me and say like, hey, my hospital isn't supplying masks. They say we have to have our own and there are no N95s. I can't find any right now. So can I please get a mask? So that's the other end of it too, where I understand that I'm medical grade, but even people in the industry in certain areas at this point, they're like, something's better than nothing. Hey, can I get a mask? Right. We're never going to be the same after this. Maybe get back to like 85%, 90 But I think this is definitely going to teach people to let me cover up a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Let me be more aware of my surroundings and the fact that, hey, you don't know what the next person, next, the person next to you has. You know, maybe I should have my respiratory system a little, a little covered and put a little barrier between. Absolutely. And like you said, a lot of people that are scrambling for masks right now probably don't even work in the medical industry. I mean. Like we said, something is better than nothing. And in a perfect world, sure, we all would have N95 masks. But I know even for myself, when I was looking at your mask, I don't need an N95 mask. Maybe in a perfect world, we all would have one. But realistically, you know, that's just not possible considering resources. So a lot of the times people do need something to sort of just help them feel more secure or help them feel better when being out in public. So before you made mention to having a few other platforms, could you tell us a little bit more about that? Are they all tied into the same thing with creativity and fashion? I know one of them is I Love Melanin. I started that back in 2016. I was working at a, cause so basically I work in project management. Um, that's my background. So that's why I really know how to market my products because I typically do this for like big companies, you know. I felt as if, you know, there was a disconnect between like black people around the world. Like being from Jamaica, I know the propaganda that we're fed where we're fed about like, you know, blacks in America. And then what you're fed about, what you're fed about Haitian people, <clears throat> what you're fed about, you know, people in Africa. You know, only thing you really see is the big the, the child with the big belly with the fly on the forehead. You know what I'm saying? Like and It's like, you know, I want to create something that showed like, no, we all need to learn about each other so that we can realize how much the same we are. And so I created I Love Melanin to really be like like a learning type of thing. So in the beginning, it was just like history, 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 facts, history from all over the world. Melanesia, finding about 
finding about, you know, about the black people here, black people there. That's how I Love Melanin started. And then it got a lot more humorous, too, um, because our audience are people that are like they want the information, but they don't want it to be so textbook. They they're a very playful audience. Many people don't know that I'm the person behind I Love Melanin. Um, I've really kept a low profile. I've honestly just put it in my IG um, within the past like five months on my personal IG. And so people don't really know I Love Melanin and the Kente Club. And then like me are all like the same people. And I think it, they just represent different parts of my personality. On my travel, like on my page, I only go to like black countries or countries that I know have like a really big black population. I love Costa Rica because of Limon. Um, that's where like there's like a big Caribbean um, population because on that side, the Caribbean side of Central America, a lot of Jamaicans and, and Bayesians and things like that were brought there to build the Panama Canal. So you'll find that people over there speak a patois. So prior to making these gorgeous masks, the Kente Club was already an established brand you created and you specialize in fashion accessories such as jewelry, sunglasses, head wraps. So how did you actually get your start in working in fashion? So when I started to make the bras, that was once again, um, someone kind of dropping the ball and me picking it up for myself because I didn't want to not be able to go to the event with an outfit. And then that went viral on Pinterest. And like I, like, I know for some people, 900 likes is like a little bit because they're big influencers. But for me, little old me, I was like, oh my gosh, people like these bras. But once again, bras are seasonal, you know, so the hype comes around, you know, maybe July to like September, everyone wants something. And then after that, it's kind of quiet. And then I started to read a lot more about like cowrie shells and, you know, how they were used back in the days as like currency and what they symbolize, which would be like wealth and money and things like that. And so I was like, hmm, maybe I should start incorporating cowrie shells into things. So that's why you'll see a lot of things um, were handmade with cowrie shells where I would um, get these earrings and rip out all the things from the middle, sand them down, spray them, and then add cowrie shells to them. And then when it came down to the clothes, I like Ankara fashion, but I find that a lot of it is so almost like business casual where I want to make some things where it's like, oh, you can go out to a party in it and it's not so like, you know, peplum skirts. You know, like, because that's kind of like how you see all the times, like peplum skirts and things like that. And being Jamaican, we already have a very interesting type of dress when we go to parties. So I kind of incorporated my idea of like how Jamaicans dress going out, which sometimes can be a little scandalous, but you know, you know, we're, you know how we are. Um, so so um, went to an event and there was a, a vendor and she was selling the head wraps for $35. I bought it because I wanted to support, but I can do these head wraps and I can make them way cheaper so that everyone can get like two instead of one, you know? Um, And that's how I got into that. A lot of the things that I do, it's because like I support people, but I also want people to really have access to it. But I also know that, look, everyone can afford certain things, you know, but that don't mean that they shouldn't have it. And That's really how I got into all these things is that like, I really want us to paint everything with Ankara. People associate that fabric with blackness. So that's really how I got into it is just wanting to create access for communities that 
may not have, you know, may, may not have the disposable income mm-hmm. to, to spend a lot on what these things typically cost. And I like that you mentioned access when you talk about the work that you've created. That was actually one of the first things I noticed as well after seeing the mask and seeing how beautiful the prints were, the next thing I noticed was the price. The price was absolutely amazing. So I knew I had to take advantage as soon as I saw it. You know, they're they're priced really low. And unfortunately, I've had people like, which I was, you know, I was just so excited to make them, but buy 40 to resell them. And that kind of hurt my feelings because I I know my worth. I know how much my masks are worth. I know what I can sell them for, but it wasn't about that for me. It was about you know, no one's people are getting laid off from their jobs and we're in a serious time. We need access. Let me just get a little something for them. But, you know, it was just a lesson for me, too. So prices have gone up a little bit um, and there's going to be the website should be finished up by this evening just to kind of like because more and more orders are coming in. And I've been doing a great job with like, you know, um, keeping everything organized and making sure no one falls through the cracks. But um, every day, more and more people are uploading and tagging me so I know it's starting to pick up a little speed and I really don't want anyone to fall through the cracks um I have people every day after five o'clock that come to my come to my um my condo and pick up and I'm like oh my gosh they have to think I'm trafficking at this (laughs) point um because I'm running outside with these uh manila envelopes you know and taking money out of cars and they're running away (laughs) this is not a good look Especially because, like, I live in this like country club area, and I'm just like, wow, they probably really think something's going on. Um, so yeah, it's really it's it's really personal for me in a sense. Um, because I really do I care, you know, I care about the progression of my people. You know, that's very important to me. Do you have any words of encouragement or inspiration for any aspiring creatives out there that are sort of waiting for that moment to really? pursue their next creative venture? Uh, yes, I would say um, really sit down and realize and, and figure out what are you willing to sacrifice for success? I've sacrificed some, some habits that I've had. Let me just say that, um, that I never thought I'd be able to let go of. Um, and so that's what I would do. Figure out what, what your sacrifices would be and realize that you need to become the plug. Um, don't wait for anyone else to plug you in. Become the plug to where people want to reach out to you. They want to figure out who you are. They want to know about you and everything else will fall in line. If you're looking to order your very own stylish Ankara mask, please visit thekenteclub.co. That's T-H-E-K-E-N-T-E-C-L-U-B dot C-O. You can also follow several of Kareen's platforms on Instagram at thekenteclub, I love melanin underscore or Kareen with five E's at the end. Black in Fashion is written and produced by me, edited by Joelle North. The theme music is from PBTM Production Music Library, and background music for our profile episodes comes from Lakey Inspired. The title is Better Days. Please like, subscribe, review, and rate Black in Fashion five stars on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on Spotify, Google Play, or SoundCloud. Lastly, follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at BLKNFSHN. Again, that's at BLKNFSHN, just like the logo. Thanks for listening.